Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and about what's next. It's a show that wants to ask questions, peel back the layers of our average everyday experience, and go beyond scratching the surface. We interview amazing people with incredible ideas and stories who have done wild, weird, and wonderful things. Remember that imagination shared create collaboration, and collaboration creates community, and community inspires social change. I'm David Peck, and this is Face to Face. singer, songwriter, musician, uh, social uh, justice advocate, a guy by the name of Jacob Moon. I think you're going to uh, really enjoy the interview. We talk a lot uh, about music. We talk about something called live looping that uh, I'm still not sure exactly what it is, but Jacob breaks it down and he talks about the creative process and about how that uh, um, uh, allowed him to get noticed by Rush and by other artists. Ron Sexsmith has some great things to say about Jacob's music and his uh, passion and his uh, abilities. He talks about Jacob talks about why the hands are jokers. I love this notion about practice over over uh, the idea of of giving. You're going to have to check out his rendition of his rooftop rendition of of subdivisions. It's online. It's on YouTube. JacobMoon.com. Please don't miss this interview. Um, he's going to be performing. At at an event uh, in Toronto, May the 12th, uh, with a woman by the name of Mama Maggie, often referred to as the Mother Teresa of Cairo. Uh, check us out online. Check him out, I should say, online. Again, stay tuned for more with Jacob Moon. And don't forget to check out uh, my site, davidpecklive.com, for more information about my podcasting there. Jacob Moon, coming at you. Well, welcome to Face to Face. We're joined by, once again, one more very special guest. Jacob Moon is here today to talk about, uh, I guess, a whole lot of things, and we're going to find out what some of those things are. Jacob, thanks for joining us today. Really appreciate your time. Hey, it's a pleasure to be with you, David. So, who the heck are you, is, I think, <laughs> is, is, is probably the best question but, but that we've, we've got to ask right out of the gate. But I'm going to quote somebody here. Ron Sexsmith, who's somebody who I've followed for, year, for years musically, said, quote, Jacob Moon is an exceedingly gifted and watchable performer, seems completely at home on stage. And Danny Miranda, who's the bassist for Queen, concurs, quote, tremendous command of the instrument, amazing voice. I can honestly say that I am overwhelmed by his music, close quote. Wow, that's, uh, those are amazing. 
comments, quotes about who you are and, 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 and who you are on stage, I guess. And I'm, I'm hoping today we can find out a little bit more about who you are off stage as well. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, you know, all, all I'll say about those quotes is, you know, five bucks is five bucks. You know, mm. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's just... Uh, <laughs> That's, is that all it costs you? It's all it costs, man. Listen, you just, it's just throw a fiver, runs away, and <laughs> say whatever you want. <laughs> How do you get the bassist for Queen to, to come was, out to see your was, show? No, 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 that was ridiculous. That was just him finding me online, and he basically was, like, emailing me from... Uh, he was actually taking a job with Meatloaf at the time, and uh, he was on tour on the tour bus with Meatloaf. He's like, "We're listening to your music right now. We love it. Way to go! Oh, that, keep up the good work." And I'm well, like, what? as I've <laughs> that as, as I've always said, two out of three ain't bad. So fit nicely done. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. Me- meatloaf. There's a word you don't hear very mm-hmm. often, or music you don't hear very often anymore. Yeah, well, he, you know, Meatloaf, he's classic, though. He's, he's, he's oh, earned his place in the rock, uh, absolutely. The rock canon, for sure. <laughs> I remember Pine Point Arena um, wanting to hold hands with uh, a young woman I was hoping to maybe date while we were skating around the rink in Rexdale, Ontario. The arena is uh-huh. still there. Uh, things have certainly changed, and Meatloaf, two out of three ain't bad, is playing through the crummy speakers. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and, everybody's and, got a meatloaf story, right? Yeah. Oh, sure. Uh, but I, I, but I remember roller skating very well. Yeah, I grew up in Kitchener Waterloo, and there was a place called Super Skate Seven, and and that was what we were allowed to do. I went to ch- to a church, and they were, uh, you know, kind of concerned about us, so they made sure that we were always doing wholesome things on the weekend. So you know, right. roller skating was okay. Yes. And uh, <laughs> but there was always one guy who like owned his own roller skates. Remember this guy? And he would and he would take every opportunity to just showboat, you know. Oh yeah, cross, totally. Crossovers. Yeah. He's always wearing tight pants. And yeah. Tight shirt yeah. And Ponytail and a dead Kennedy's T-shirt. Yeah, yeah. And he's just always like, even in the slow songs, he's like zipping in and out of it. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, yeah, those are good times. On one on one hand, you wanted to be the uh, that guy, and then on the other hand, you wanted to take him out back uh, Yeah. Back of the back of the ring. Stick out a leg. <laughs> That's funny. Now, is that where you met your wife at the roller skating? No, no. Oh, okay. Very, uh, very uh, um, romantic beginnings. But um, uh, it was actually uh, less romantic. She came to one of my shows, um, and she signed up on the mailing list, and we talked afterwards. And it was the only time I abused the privilege. I, I, I you know, I followed up with uh, her via email the next day and said, "Hey, let's keep talking." And we've been talking. Cool. So. So. so clearly music is pretty much connected to everything for you by the sounds of it. Yeah, I mean, it, it has been for, for a long time. I mean, uh, it probably started when I went to my first concert um, back when I was a, like a little kid. I went to a Burton Cummings concert mm. in Kitchener. Mm-hmm. And they just opened the center in the square, and, uh, and I uh, went to see him play there, and it was pretty unbelievable. And then I thought, uh, well, I'm Canadian artists. I went to see Brian Adams, and before he was famous, and uh, um, and something about just the male singer-songwriter kind of made an impression on me. And I mean, um, in some ways, I wish Dylan had come to town. Mm. You know, in those days, because sure. it would have been even more of an interesting. My music might have gone a different way or something. But um, I, have a, I have an interest in pop music and folk music, gospel music, um, jazz, blues. Uh, I'm a pretty eclectic listener, and um, even though what I do is kind of in the wheelhouse of roots 
singer songwriter. I think there's a lot of those other influences. So, so, so hear. help, so help me out here, and and I want to talk about some of the things that you've sort of broken some ground on. This whole idea of live looping, and you give clinics, and and uh, by the way, folks, check out uh, Jacob's uh, website, jacobmoon.com. Uh, to see where he's going to be. He's going to be in Ontario, uh, really, I think, coming up soon. Uh, uh, um, Hamilton, Alberta, for those of you who have some air miles. Uh, anyway, um, mm. performer, songwriter, um, and singer. I mean, uh, do they all go hand in hand? Or are you more of one than the other? Uh, for me, they all go hand in hand, for sure, yeah. there's. I mean, I know, I know a lot of guys who are just songwriters or they're just performers, but... Uh, but yeah, I, I definitely um, and, and integrated completely. I mean, I'm always trying to grow as a songwriter. I'm trying to grow as a guitar player. Like a lot of my heroes are really good guitar players, so I'm always feeling the pressure to to, to grow as a guitar player and get better and and uh, you know try to try to do my heroes proud. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, and as a singer, you know, I just feel like there's still so much to learn there. So. Um, uh, and and as a songwriter, I mean, gosh, there's just you could just never stop learning about that. And uh, so, uh, it's the thing about music. I mean, even people who are old, people like you know uh, Jim Hall, or you know uh, people who've just been doing it forever, uh, they, they say that the more you uh, approach you know, perfection in music, the more that it kind of moves away from you, and uh, <laughs> it can continually evade your your grasp. So, so there's something about that that I uh, am attracted to, and I like the idea of lifelong learning and, and growing. Could you live? Uh, could you, could you live without the stage, Jacob? Or do you need? Do you need? No, to be... I think I need the stage for a few reasons. Um, I mean, some people need it for the adulation or the attention and stuff. It's kind of like a place for me to um, to get down to work and to mm. put my ideas to the test and see what their worth is. Uh, in the real world, you know, and to um, offer them up to people and 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 uh, see what the feedback is, and um, to per, to practice them, to get better at them, to um, to improve. I mean, uh, Jay Leno, who is you know a well-known comic and and talk show host, he was famous for never spending any of the money from the Tonight Show. He only spent the money that he earned from playing stand-up gigs, and he played a lot of them during his tenure as Tonight Show host. Uh, he would go out every weekend, and every night that he was on hiatus, he was out he was out touring, and somebody asked him why, and he said, well, so if you want to be a prize fighter, you have to take a lot of fights. Mm. And, he, and it was his way of staying sharp, you know? He just felt like he would be, people would notice if he took the weekend off. <laughs> and so uh, that's that's definitely how I feel about music and about me and music. Like some guys are just preternaturally talented and they're, you can't stop them. They're just going to be great every time. And, um, I don't relate to those people. I, I, <laughs> I definitely have to put the time in to, um, to, uh, developing as a, as a player. As a, and I have, to, I have to feel the confidence that I've been and know exactly what I'm going to do. And I can use that as a jumping off point to improvise in a, in a million different directions. So what would you be doing if you weren't, a singer songwriter performer musician any any ideas yeah that's a good question i mean i have a strong bent for justice and for um for seeing the marginalized restored and 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 the victimized um you know uh, brought to health and 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 
systems changed, rights wronged. I have a strong kind of bent that way in me. And so I could see myself um, either being a spokesman or I already am a spokesman for organizations like Compassion and International Justice Mission uh, right here in Canada. But, um, but yeah, just being I'm, – I'm, I'm, I'm doing more and more of that kind of work, and I'm enjoying it. So it's, it's a different spin. I am able to weave my music into it. Mm-hmm. So it's a good marriage for the, the two skill sets. I mean, I, I'm good at kind of digesting facts and stories and, you know, um, uh, sharing them and, and in a way that people will respond to. And, and so that's something I'm trying to work with. I mean, there's all kinds of things I like to do. It's just whether I'd be any good at them, you know. So I, yeah, yeah, I, I, no, for you know, sure. Right? So I'm trying, to, I'm trying to stay within stuff that I think would be a good fit for me. I want to I want to come back to that whole social justice edge. I know you've got a couple of uh, gigs coming up. One uh, with the Stevens Children Foundation as well, uh, with uh, Mama Maggie, sometimes called the Mother Teresa of Cairo. She's coming, and you're going to be playing with them in in, uh, in May. I want to get back to that whole social justice edge because really that's kind of my thing. That's yeah. kind of where I'm at, and and as most of my listeners know, it's it's all about the splash and ripple effect f- for me. But I'm fascinated by this. Um, by Rush. So not only are you a huge fan of Rush, but am, am I right to understand they invited you to uh, Hall of Fame, Canadian Songwriters Hall of Fame ga- Gala to perform one of their sort of classics? Yeah, that's y- right. That yeah, tell, tell me a bit about this. I have a friend who's like completely nuts about Rush. Yeah. And personally, uh, I never got into them. And I think as a kid, as a young teenager, I was more of a, I was more of a Def Leppard fan, actually. So, you nice. know, the, pa- the, hey, hey. the, Listen, the, pow- the power cord, right? Yeah, but it's a short walk from Death Lake <laughs> to Rush, I think. And oh, is that right, eh? I think so, yeah. That's yeah. interesting. I think I just that. heard a disturbance in the forest. All the Rush fans just went, oh, come on, really? <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. Now, would, it would be not necessarily true that Rush would, would, would be Death Leopard fans, but I don't think it's right. too far off for you to find at least one record that you could, you could dig. And, and I think Rush is one of those bands that every, every teenager... In Canada, it may, usually the male persuasion, but the surprising yes. number of females um, have been fans of this band. Well, how, I'm, I'm one of them too. How could you not have not known something about music and not been sort of introduced to to what is it? Twenty one twelve was that the album? Yeah, that was kind of their seminal recording. In Temple the 70s Temples and, of Syrinx, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, I, I I mean I have incredible vivid memories of a friend of mine playing that for me. I was too young to sort of even begin to appreciate what they were trying to do, but I remember being quite taken by not only the music, but the lyrics and by the, the, the narrative of it, and yeah. also the artwork and the cover, and, and, and just the, I don't know, the intention or the, the, the commitment <laughs> maybe. Wow, this isn't just a rock band. These guys are about something else and something other. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's right, and I think that's, that's uh, kudos to the drummer, Neil uh, you know, Pierre, he was a real um, very literary guy. He still is. Uh, reads a lot. And, and uh, when you read a lot, it kind of comes out in your writing. And, and, and he's so, the, uh, he, was he the lyricist for Rush? Yep, he was. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, yeah so was, tell me about this, this performance where you worked for the band. Okay, well, I mean, what happened was I went to see them. My brother-in-law is a famous guy. He's the world's fastest oyster shucker. Wow, and he and he runs a, tr- a Toronto restaurant, uh, or did for a long time called Starfish. Okay, and they used to come in all the time, and um, 
and hang out and bring their own wine and do the whole thing. And you get chatting with them and they say, yeah, well, we're playing a show in Toronto. And we, would you come and, and uh, cater it and, you know, shuck oysters for us backstage? <laughs> he's like, yeah, but can I bring my brother-in-law? Cause he's a big fan. He's like, yeah, sure. So they, they brought, he brought me along. I went to get to see the show front row. I went yeah. backstage. I cool. bought some oysters. And then I thought that's where it would end. But I actually heard them play subdivisions um, that night. And I came home and started fooling around with on the guitar. And I was like, how could I maybe play this? And it was complicated. So I, it took me a long time to figure out how to pull it all together. It took me maybe about a year and a year and a half or so before I tried playing it on stage. Because uh, it was a lot of choreography, a lot of looping and using a handheld tape recorder and two guitars, one on a stand, one around my neck. And it was just a lot to do, a little weird tuning. So um, so I had to really get my act together on that one. And, but I'm glad I did because I, I made a video that ended up getting seen by a whole bunch of Rush fans and eventually by the band themselves. And they, they Getty sent me an email saying, hey, great job. You know, the guys have all heard the song. Way to go. It's awesome. And so I thought, well, that's, that's that's great. That's probably where it's going to end, you know. And and then their uh, management company called me up out of the blue a few months later, um, which you know I just thought I just assumed that was them calling to sue me, you know, for for, for using <laughs> right. the song. Yeah, cease and desist. That's right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But we love we love your song, Jacob. But get it the heck off the yeah. uh, airwaves. That's <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> Yeah, that, but they didn't go all prints on me. They uh, they were they were pretty cool about it. They, okay. Uh, they basically just said, "Hey, we uh, we would love it if you would come and perform that version of Subdivisions at the gala um, that's that's being held." It wasn't Rush that was holding it. It was the Canadian Songwriters Hall of Fame. So really, Rush didn't have right a say in the matter, but right. they did express their preferences, and they said, "Okay, these are some people that we would like to have." Uh, involved if you could that'd be great cool. um and so uh i got to kind of audition to do it at, at the press conference that they held um at the theater uh the toronto center for the arts and um and then uh i won them over and uh, the people who were organizing the event said yeah okay i think we can uh, we never heard of this guy but sure let's, right let's, let's put him right. in right so it was a bit of a risk a little risk yeah but, uh, but i but you know what uh, the performance went great and um it was kind of it kind of became a story you know and a, hopefully an encouraging story for for independent musicians out there who are yeah that's playing I mean, who are trying to play for their heroes you know yeah. or whatever trying to trying to get more exposure it's like this uh, you know sometimes if you do and i would say if you do it for the love like it was really started like i wouldn't have played the song for a year and a half right um for any other reason than love right like it's just there's no i would have no way of knowing it would ever do this or they would ever have this result so uh, I've tried to remember that in the time that's elapsed since then. I mean, I haven't really had anything that's been as big of a hit as that. Okay. Um, as far as videos go, but um, everything I've done since then has been for the love of it, and so I can only I can only do that. You know, I mean, uh, people say, "Well, you cover Beyonce or Taylor Swift or something," then you can get all those fans coming to your website. And I'm like, "Yeah, I guess I would," but. I don't know. I feel like they could tell my heart isn't in it or something. So uh, I got to do stuff that I love, and that that was that was an example of of, of that paying off. So so four hundred and seventy one thousand two hundred and thirty two hits of you performing it live not, on the roof so far. Yeah. Are you are you 
becoming rich beyond your wildest dreams as a result of all the YouTube money that you're making? Oh now, yeah, YouTube money. It's 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 you can earn dozens of dollars. <laughs> That's YouTube. right. It's fantastic. And then yeah. purchase more of those reviews from famous '80s rock musicians. I yes, mean, well, exactly. You're That's all right. set. 100%. So, so tell me just before we move on, because this is awesome. I love what you've done here. But on the rooftop, this was was this locally? Was it in Toronto, Hamilton? Where? Hamilton, yeah, okay. yeah. We basically just did it and asked for forgiveness afterwards. Yeah, of course. Yeah, uh, which is how you should do all rooftop concerts. Of course, never. I never asked for permission. Just I know a few. There. A few have happened over the years, and yeah. probably my favorite is is you two and where the streets have no name. Mm -hmm. uh, just because of probably the timing more than anything for my life. It was right around Rattle and Hum. It was probably late 80s, I think. Do you, 88, do you, somewhere on there. Do you yeah. remember that? I do. That was a huge moment, right? Oh, yeah. Amazing. Unbelievable. Absolutely. I couldn't believe the crowd. And, and you wonder at the end of the, the, the video, the, the police are there sort of pushing them off, and I'm sure a little fancy editing and fancy directing, but still it was it clearly they, they just went ahead and did it. And, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a yeah. Good, it's awesome. I love that it. That was pretty fantastic. Well, it's pretty. It'd be interesting to know what it would have done today. You know, social media wise, how yeah, that's how right. it would have played out because everybody would have found out about it, right? And much. and uh, and still, there was this massive crowd. Um, that's a cool story, man. I I don't know. I love I love the risk on your part. I love your audacity. You know, to take <laughs> to take such a classic piece and and to play with it. Um, tell tell me. So so does this notion, and I don't even know what it is, but this live looping that you're kind of known for, that you do clinics on, you teach on, is that connected to to what you did with subdivisions? And then, yes, then it is. Yeah, tell me more about that. Yeah, so, I mean, in order to play a song with that many parts and that many um, layers, and, and, and um, I mean, I still, it's still a, a, a huge reduction of the song. It's a, it's a, um, it's, it's almost like playing on the piano or something, you know, but, uh, but it's uh, but in order even in order to play something pianistically on the guitar, <laughs> you either have to have like extreme technical ability or um, you um, have to use technology to your advantage. And, and uh, in my case, I use technology to my advantage. I, I um, it, do, it just takes a certain amount of technical finesse to pull that off for sure, mm -hmm. uh, gu guitaristically, but. But looping is where you basically record what you're playing live. Jacob, did you just use the word guitaristically? Guitaristically, that's the thing. I, I didn't nice. make that up, man. I've seen that in print. That's I, awesome. I mean, I, usually in Guitar Player Magazine, full disclosure. But, that's you know. cool. I, I, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, background in philosophy, I, I say to my kids often, we need, to, we need to come up with a new word today. Like, let's design a new word. And I, I had a prof who said, at least once a month, you should create a new word. And, yeah. um, I've never heard guitaristically before, but I think I'm going to try to use it this sometime yeah, later this week. Yeah, it's a great word, too. <laughs> <laughs> so, I could see yeah. a fist fight developing over that word, actually. <laughs> no, yeah. I read it last night in Guitar Player Magazine. <laughs> anyway, sorry, yeah. man, that was awesome. So if you're, if you're playing nine-tile Scrabble, you'll be able That's to... right, yes. Yeah, don't yes. put guitar down. You put istically at the end. It's fine. Yeah, those, uh, those house like, rules kill you points. every time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but the... Uh, no, I mean I, 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 You basically layer sound on sound. Uh, okay. A pedal. Okay. You have to kind of like step on the pedal right when you want to start the phrase and right when you want to end the phrase. And if you get it wrong by a millisecond, everyone knows you screwed it up. Hmm. And so you have to really, it's, it's a certain amount of precision that goes into that. Um, and then, so you can essentially loop the rhythm guitar and then bring in the lead guitar. 
you know, um, mm-hmm. by playing it, by essentially performing it and not having to worry about carrying the rhythm guitar piece along with you. Uh, it's, uh, if you play solo, you know that's always kind of a, a bugbear of, of playing solos, that you're always chained to to the role of rhythm guitar, and it's difficult to introduce melodic elements um, unless you go real um, chord melody style or you start picking finger style or whatever, you know, and I can do, I can do those things, but it was, it was just a nice idea to fling the guitar that I was playing over my, over my uh, shoulder and walk up to a guitar that was on a stand that made a different sound and play a lead guitar solo on that. Hmm. And then, then transition back to the acoustic guitar and, uh, you know, and then use the, the, the dictaphone, use the uh, stomp, pedal where I, I'm able to stomp on a piece of wood like Stomp and Tom did and, hmm. and it makes kind of like a kick drum sound um, so I'm trying to bring all the elements of the band, the bass, the guitar, the drums the lead guitar and then sing the vocals and not, make it so that you don't miss the band so much um, and that's kind of my, and that, that way I don't have to hire a band frankly <laughs> so really what you're saying money. is yeah. this has nothing Actually, to do with yeah. art or creativity or, yeah. or you know an homage to Rush this is really uh-huh. about you just don't have to hire a band. Hey, you don't have to put up with drums. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One <laughs> ego is a lot easier to manage, right? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. exactly. So, so, Jacob, and I mean this with all sincerity, this question, I mean a little tongue-in-cheek, I suppose, but are you more talented than I am or gifted than I am with a guitar? Like, what I, I mean, I've, I've always been fascinated by, by creativity, by, you know, why uh, I'm a magician. I, I play with card tricks and, and coin tricks and, and so on and have for, you know, 40 years I've been, I've been doing this and have a deep, deep love and passion for it. But I also know how much time and effort and practice goes into it. And, and a day doesn't pass where I'm not rolling a coin through my fingers. Or, and I don't even perform for people anymore on stage. And, and you yeah. are. So I don't know. I guess the question I'm asking is kind of, you know, that giftedness versus the, the, that, that level of commitment question. Does that make sense? Yeah, you know? absolutely. And I think I, I, I see that all the time. I see people that I think are just crazy gifted and talented and then i dig a little deeper and i find out how much they practice yeah yeah and then i go okay well that's interesting i mean they don't they people who are who know um what good music is and how they want their music to sound they know that in order to get it there um they better be telling their fingers what to do because their hands are jokers right like they just Mm. they're constantly letting us down and Mm. uh the, the brain needs to forge ironclad connections to synapses in our in our hands and um, and, and, and uh, you know uh, planning in, in the brain for the next part the next thing you're going to do um, so that you can do it with ease and it doesn't look like you're really burning a lot of calories right. doing it so the people who really make it look easy they make it look easy because they practice the heck out of it like when sure. you see sure. when you see Prince play the halftime show and it looks like you know he's just it's a walk in the park for him and you know that. <laughs> that all of that would have needed to be rehearsed to the nth degree in order to look that way. Um, it reminds you to to practice. Uh, I remember I remember a magician I I worked with many many years ago, and I'm sure this has been said by many. But the whole idea of a magician that walks out on stage is that when they reach out and pluck a coin out of the air, the, the, what you want to communicate to your audience is, yeah, I just I do this all the time. Yeah. Right. I just walk around on the street and pluck coins out of the air. I mean, that's the whole idea of what you're. And, and, and in a sense, there's hundreds of hours of practice that's already gone behind that rehearsal thought 
strategy almost, right? Yeah, exactly. And that's that's for me. I I would like to put more hours of practice in, and I would, and that's why, partly why I, I perform as much as I do. I mean, sometimes I'll the phone obviously the phone rings for for me to come and perform, but not as often as I want to be performing, and so I end up booking myself into places and taking a risk. Like mm. I booked myself into the Aeolian Hall on the weekend in London um, because I wanted to be playing on the right. whole weekend. And, and so I took the risk. You know, if people show up and I make money, if they don't, then I don't. Was that this and past weekend? Yeah. And how'd it go? It went great. The place was full and it was oh, awesome. So, oh, good yeah. for you, man. That's amazing. Yeah. Nice. It's, I mean, you never know what's going to happen. Yeah, of weather, course. That was, when, that was when the weather hit, right? When we got snow oh, again. Oh, yeah, April. yeah. So, uh, so <laughs> I thought I was going to lose out that night, but it actually turned out to be a wonderful evening. Uh, and so, yeah, that's amazing. So, one more question about the creativity practice thing, because I love I love that sort of interconnectedness of it all. Because I think it I think it is a little bit of both, but at the same time, I I honestly believe watching my kids grow up and, and even in my own life, I think you can you can kind of draw out some of that talent. If, if if that makes sense, I think it does. It does. You know? Well, the only so the only they go hand in hand though. People yeah. say like, what if what if I just practice a lot? Would I become great? Well, you wouldn't practice a lot if you didn't have the kernel of talent right. you need to to do it. People always say, how do you get started in music? And I always tell them like, by not being able to stop. Like, that's, yeah, it's that's great. Your, yeah, that's your clue. Yeah, I remember reading a book called for for people who can't not write, and yeah. it was this woman who was trying to say. Here's how to become a better writer, and one of the things is you just got to write. Yeah, you just got to pick well, yeah, up the instruments and, you don't and go. Have to be told to write if you're a writer, you know. Right. You just, yes. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, we put this on our kids. Sometimes we think, well, raising kids, and well, maybe they have talent. Maybe if we just gave them um, a teacher and then a mandate to, to practice constantly, they would do what they're. But they're not going to do it unless they. It comes from within. It's extrinsic. Versus intrigue. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, 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 yeah. So where does something, though, like live looping come into play? I mean, is that just getting to a point in your life where you've practiced enough, you've put the hours in to say, you know what, now I want to step outside of the framework or I want to challenge the framework or I'm actually going to take a risk on stage tonight that I haven't taken before? Uh, or, or, or is it just an honest accident? You know, I'm not saying no. that wasn't your case, but, yeah. but this, I mean, it sounds like you're kind of breaking ground here a little bit and you know, the, the risks and the, t and, 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 and what you're exploring essentially is turning out to be quite remarkable. Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, this, when I started doing it, there wasn't almost anyone doing it. And so now there are definitely, if you go to a show with a young act or, or whatever you'll see, you'll, you'll see more and more people doing it. Um, but it's it's just another pedal. It's right. just what you, it's just what you do with it. What, right. What's your right. creative expression on it? Right. Um, everybody's got a distortion pedal too, but you know everybody uses it differently. So, um, so yeah. So I, for me, it's an expression of creativity. It's a, it's, it's a realizing my arranging ambitions for the song. Hmm. Interesting. I don't because I, I like these I like these parts. And I don't like to play a song and not make reference to these parts that are in my head. Right. Or if I'm covering a song, to be able to, to sneak in the iconic melodic line in there, which usually requires another set of hands. Uh, well, if you can loop it accurately, then you can you can execute it both parts and um, and more. You can you know multiple. You can you can really get into juggling a lot of balls, and, and um, that's where it gets into a bit of a 
uh, choreography exercise and trying to make sure that you tap at the right time and you know where you are in the looping and you kind of have to kind of keep a lot of things uh, going in your head. A lot of multitasking is happening. Um, and so that's really good, stimulating for the brain too, you know, and, and I think it's, it's been good for me creatively and, um, uh, and, it's, and there's so much more that I could do when I see people who have pushed the envelope mm. of this craft to the nth degree, I get, you know, I'll, I'll get an Im- invitation to, to attend the one man band festival in Montreal. And if you go to that thing, uh, you know, there's people who are doing it without pedals. They're, right. They've rigged up, they've rigged up, uh, you know, mechanical devices that will uh, achieve the same sort of thing uh, of, of multiplying your limbs and, and making it so that you uh, you can execute lots of different um, things at once. Um, so there's, yeah, there's lots, there's lots to learn still. Um, and, and uh, it's, but really ultimately I always tell people it's about serving the song first and foremost, and not about um, showing off what kind of a great live looper you are, you know, you want to make sure that you're, uh, yeah, you're just, you're giving people a, uh, the song sure. number one. Yeah. Just before we move into your sort of your, your advocacy, social justice uh, angle to, to what it is you do. Tell me, tell me about your, uh, what makes you, uh, uh, it's going to sound a little corny, but what makes you a better songwriter? Um, tell me, tell me about your family. Tell me about your support mechanism around you. Um, what are, what are some of the things you do to recharge, to go, you know, cause I mean, I don't know, maybe, maybe you're such a pro that you go, you know what, I'm going to write a new song today and I'm going to mm. at 10 o'clock, I'm going to hang out and three hours and I'm not leaving the studio till I have at least the, the basis of a new song. I mean, maybe it, it is like that, but, but yeah. yeah, just, just, just kind of interested about it. I'm always interested about that support community and the mechanisms people have around them and sometimes don't have around them, I guess. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I, I think ultimately you can only make music out of your life. And um, you, your life really is is comprised of the relationships and the the social glue and the and mm. the life lessons and the epiphanies that you have uh, either by yourself or in the presence of other people. And and my songs are born out of observations, out of personal stories about other people's personal stories, um, and sort of taking those on and embodying them in song. And um, and so things that make me a better songwriter, I think if I can be a better um, noticer, a, be, a better mm, observer, a poet, uh, you know, yeah, like just really just keep the antenna up and um, be aware, and just carry the moleskin and carry the, you know, and make notes and, and, and make sure that you've, you're constantly, uh, you know, on the radar uh, with, with everything that's happening um, and, uh yeah, so I think that, that's 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 the main thing. It's just making sure that you listen and having to have some kind of foster some kind of an interior life mm. so mm. that you can do that. I think the exterior life of uh, having to be a performer and having to be in the public eye and having to be you know constantly on social media and everything else is um, is kind of runs cross purposes to the um, to what you need to be focused on when you're a songwriter. And so you do have to remove yourself from mm, those activities yeah, yeah. so that you can, you can do this work. And so you, there's a lot, you know, lots of um, examples of people, uh, everybody from uh, recently Sarah Sleen going out to a, you know, a cabin somewhere and disappearing for six months and writing a, a whole new album. Uh, you know, if you already go back to like the band, you know, um, you know, moving into a house, 
and basically just setting up the recording equipment and just making writing and making a record together right. in right. a you know quite apart from uh, urban life and from their own families and everything else and just say you know because yeah you're right family is an inspiration but ultimately they're also they also <laughs> are a hindrance to getting anything done uh, musically so you do have to actually remove yourself from the family unfortunately to to uh, write yeah, about that yeah you know? yeah so so, yeah. so you're you're talking about a space of a sort I love I love that this idea of listening as well it's a theme that just continues to come up in in my own teaching and work and especially uh, working internationally and I do a lot of work I think as you and I have chatted offline about Cambodia and so on and 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 uh, you know the the I don't know. I think I think you know, being cross culturally aware, being a better parent, being a better teacher, I think requires this keen ability to listen. And in truth, I'm not great at it. And mm. uh, getting better, I hope all the time. Uh, but we're uh, we tend to be pretty self absorbed. It seems to me uh, f f more often than not. And, yeah. and uh, this idea of listening includes others, <laughs> right? Yeah. That's right. That's right. <laughs> that that seems to go against the grain, which uh, which is kind of weird. So 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 tell me why you've been listening to 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 other parts of the world. It sounds like you've got this uh, passion and this heart for social justice. You're working mm -hmm. with a few different agencies and organizations. I mean, does this come out of a I don't know um, a, a, a something that you grew up with, or is this something you've been introduced to along the way? Was it a trip? Was it a book yeah. you read, et cetera? Yeah, there's. I think mean, it goes right back to being in a Presbyterian church as a kid, where they brought uh, refugees mm. over. Mm. They were constantly working on behalf of the poor and marginalized, and and just seeing that faith in action at a young age. Um, you know, it, I never forgot that. And um, my in my own family, I don't know how much we didn't really do much uh, that way. Um, but you pick it up, and you kind of look around you, and you go. Oh, you see a movie, or you or you hear a song. Um, uh, you know, in the '80s, it was pretty hard to escape the the twinning of um, music and advocacy for things like famine mm -hmm. and for you know relief. Music and relief were kind of together. Mm -hmm. and they 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 did a lot together to, to to raise funds and raise awareness. And Bob Geldof and company. Yeah, and lots of people entered the field, you know, and and sort of became passionate about about uh, expanding their borders and getting their passport and going and just going and seeing, seeing what's going on out there and seeing if there's a way that they could be part of the solution. And, uh, um, and so that's been a conversation that, that's continued to fascinate me as well in, in the travels that I've done with Compassion to places like Haiti and the Dominican Republic and El Salvador. Um, I've gotten pretty close up with with what the experience is for a child growing up in poverty uh, in those countries. And um, it motivates me uh, more than ever to uh, come back here and to uh, do what I can to tell those stories. And um, maybe there'll be a young person out there for whom I will be their first exposure mm. to this story. And uh, I always tell about the, 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 the kids like Tony uh, from Dominican Republic, who's the head of IT um, at the the office, but was once a sponsor child, you know, and and his story of how he's basically destined to become a drug dealer, and uh, he was that was the only way he was ever going to escape poverty, according to everything that he saw. You know, when I, I when I looked around as a teenager, I saw people who were making their living, modest as it was, from music, and right. I got the idea that I could do this too. 
I could be a musician. Um, so who are these kids seeing around them that would give them the idea they could escape poverty and be something other than um, a criminal? Um, and so the uh, uh, so Tony is, is 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 a great example of someone who's not just escaped poverty, but who's actually helping others to through telling his own story. And so he's traveled across the country with Michael W. Smith, uh, giving his testimony, and through that, hundreds of kids have been sponsored. And so uh, the ripple effect is is something I keep seeing of just when you make an investment in a life. Uh, on the other side of the world, it's not just a one-to-one investment. It's the, you know, if it's handled properly, and in the case of compassion, you know, I, I definitely did my research to figure out if, that, if they do handle it properly and if they do actually do what they say they're going to do. And so uh, uh, after finding out that that was, that was the case, um, you know, at firsthand and from seeing just story after story of these kids that have uh, have not just transcended their their beginnings, but have made new beginnings mm. for their fellow countrymen. They haven't fled to the land of milk and honey to find their fortune. They've stayed in country and they've wanted to first and foremost give back to the next generation. Why are, Why would you say you're concerned personally? And I'm always interested to hear this from individuals like yourself who are you know doing things for others in whatever way, shape, or form that is, mm-hmm. why there and not here? Yeah, I mean, I think here is definitely important, too, for sure. It's, uh, but, you know, sometimes you have to kind of remove yourself from what's familiar, disorient mm-hmm. yourself completely, and mm-hmm. then um, uh, tune back into an uh, individual who is, who, there's some part of them that is, that is, um, both familiar because it's, you can see yourself in them. You can see like, what if I, what if that was me? What if that was my story? How would I react? And it's uh, engaging in that sense because you're like you, you're hooked now because you you're trying to figure out how the story is going to end or should end. Right. If that was you, um, and it's also uh, if you're a person of, of faith of belief, then you are seeing the face of Christ through. And in, in this case, that's what I'm seeing is, is I'm seeing as he promised, that, you know, wherever you find someone who is suffering, and if you, if you help them, you're, you are helping me in that, instant, in that instance. Whatever you've done to the least of these, you've done to me. And so, um, so there's a spiritual uh, connection that mm. happens. So, so, he, so your faith yeah. is very much a part of why you do what you do. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, 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 it's inextricably linked for me. Um, it's, you know, uh, if, you, if I was just a materialist or um, just a scientist or whatever, or so, <laughs> was into scientism or whatever, I, I would maybe, or a Darwinist or whatever, I would just think, well, those people just need to figure it out. And if they don't, then the, the nature has sorted them out because they're, the, they're not right. the fittest. Right, 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 right. And so, but, but, but people forget all the time that it's like the... the <laughs> You know, the reason, whether you're doing it for religious reasons or not, if you're, if you're responding to someone um, because of uh, some, some other reason than, than um, just straight up um, uh, logical or, um, or, or pragmatic reasons, then you're really tapping into something, whether you're aware of it or not, that is, that is deeper than the intellect. It's deeper than 
than the brain. It's, it, it goes right into the soul, and it reveals the presence and the existence of a soul, um, which should itself be <laughs> revelatory, right? But, uh, but, the, uh, but, w- but when that, what that awakens in us as people um, is, is compassion, mm. um, is, is, is all the virtues that, that, w- that aren't just necessary for survival of the species, and that explains it, but are but transcend that and and exist even where it's not necessary and and uh, um, it's it's part of the, the the glorious outpouring of of love and of um, uh, of, of of goodness that, that we see in the world. Um, we see obviously examples of the the opposite as well. But yeah, for sure. But what I yeah. get excited about is 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 where you know. How can I how can I work alongside with good people who are doing good work yep. for the right reasons, um, and that's its own kind of that's its own reward in a lot of ways, um, and it, there's a feedback loop that happens when you get into that that that's addictive, and you just you just want to to become more and more involved in it in a good way, you know. So. Well, and I think it so connects back to what you said earlier about the whole idea of listening. And and it's 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 huge. It really is. And what and I think we can all listen a little better. And I think we can all dig in a little better as well. We gotta we gotta wrap it up, Jacob. I can't believe it. And I can't believe we end. We're ending kind of on a somber note here, in a way. And yet, I hope an affirming kind of inspirational one as well. So um, yeah, Jacob Moon, uh, JacobMoon.com. Uh, as it sounds, check out his latest music. Uh, you've got tour dates and a bio. And and make sure you check out Subdivisions. It's online. And become the four hundred and seventy-one thousand two hundred and thirty-third listener. I think might be appropriate, Jacob. Uh, hey, have you got um, anything big? So we, we're we're going to talk a little bit uh, offline and on the bio, probably about what's next for you. But new album coming, uh, big dates coming up, other than the Mamba Maggie event, of course, on yeah. May the twelfth. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to be. I'll be heading out on tour to Alberta. Very good. Uh, to play some dates out there, and then I've got uh, I've got a bunch of dates. Uh, in in Ontario that people can check out on the website. Um, it's always unfolding, always changing, always adding more stuff. Um, but yeah, I'm kind of in a in a space where I'm I'm trying to leave some room so I can create some new stuff. Nice. Well, listen. Thanks a lot for your time today, and uh, and I wish you well on, on your next project. Thank you so much, David. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.